0: Thank you. Continues. This is...
1: Rustlers, cutthroats, murderers, bounty hunters, desperados, mugs, pugs, thuds, nitwits, hatwits, dimwits, vipers, snipers, con Indian agents, Mexican bandits, muggers, buggers, bushwhackers, hornswoggers, horse thieves, bull dykes, train robbers, bank robbers, ass kickers, shit kickers, and Methodists.
2: Well done. Yeah. Welcome to the View podcast. Hey. Yeah. Hey, you're Brad. I am nice. I am Andrew, and you're listening to the show uh, that critics are saying could use a fresh perspective every once in a while. Mm-hmm. We listened.
1: Speaking of which, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we got somebody on. This is
3: Devin. Hi, Devin. I'm the Western perspective. Yes. yes, getting a
1: getting a look from that left coast.
2: Yes, yes, y'all to the beat, y'all. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we're spanning the spanning the country.
2: Yeah, the void, if you will.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, we do that on well, other nights. I've haven't,
3: I haven't been invited on that podcast, so <laughs> hold it,
2: It's pretty full there. Uh, I've been on it. You're not missing much.
3: Yeah, there was those thirteen episodes. The, you the good the ones, the three? golden yeah, years, the good ones. That was actually when I started listening.
1: <laughs> uh, so how's everybody doing? Doing great. Awesome, doing great. How you doing? Great, good. great, great, great. I'm happy to have Devin on. Yeah, and uh, we got some. I got some good beer from him and some good flicks to talk about. We got. Well, I we could see the top of the episode, I guess, what we're going to talk about. But yeah. uh, why don't we just get right? Well, let's. Uh, I guess we can check in with Devin. How's things uh, since we talked to you last? It's been over a year, I think. It has,
3: it's almost been exactly a year. I was looking; it was August 25th that I was on last time, or that they released last time. Mm -hmm. So, almost exactly a year. Sweet. Lots changed. Lots the same. Were you moved? I moved, bought a house. I'm getting married. Nice. Um, Nice.
1: All because of this show,
2: right?
3: Ever since
1: then, it's been all uphill, or not uphill, but all downhill? I don't Uh, know. Whatever uh, the good one is. Fame,
3: snowballs, out of control. (laughs) Yeah, it's been good. Yeah. Um just got back. My brother got married last weekend. So
1: yeah.
3: I've been traveling and I'm sure you'll hear all about it on uh the Ingenuity show. Yeah. You bet. But yeah, I'm doing good. Good. Glad well to be uh,
1: here. why don't we uh, start off with what you're drinking? I wanna see how good you're really doing. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I am drinking the uh, pyramid, which is uh Portland, Oregon beer. All right. Looks like they've got Seattle, Washington and Portland, Oregon, uh, facilities mm. and it is the outburst Imperial IPA, which is a eight and a half percent. That sounds good. ABV. Um, mm. there is no description and no IBUs on the bottle, but it's, it's a serviceable IPA. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't know.
1: Is that, is that Imperial does it have that like heavy, like malty Imperial taste? Yeah, to it's it? really
3: malty. It's not it's not really overpowering on the hop side. Um, it doesn't really taste, you know, like that grain alcohol y taste you get sometimes with the really high alcohol content beers. Right. But I give it a three point five on Untapped. Um I've actually had it before a couple times and I thought it was gonna would be a good one for tonight, um, cool but yeah, just nice serviceable, very drinkable um you probably wouldn't want one more than a one or two of these twenty two ounce bottles, but yeah, it's good for every once in a while. good summer nice. beer, nice. citrusy
1: can't beat that It looks like it's got a nice uh, oh. uh nice nice color to it, there you
2: go, nice glassware.
1: <laughs> andrew's <laughs> all about the glassware
2: yeah well because because i have one i need to justify <laughs> buying it
1: i don't understand you guys it okay. comes in glass guys <laughs> it has its own glassware that's yeah, true but the
3: the different the different glasses the shapes of them hold the the aroma differently
1: that's what i hear
3: and so you get different notes off of the the smell with the different glass um Actually, I might need your help as a carpenter because I need to build a shelf because I'm told that I have too many pint glasses. Oh. Um, I've got like, probably, I'm pushing 40 pint glasses.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You definitely need four. easy access to them.
3: Yeah. And I've got uh, six on the K grader. And then I've also got a separate cupboard with my specialty beer glasses. Nice. I might yeah. have a problem. Yeah.
1: Well. Yeah i I'll, uh, I'll just i'll run right out there and uh make yeah, it.
3: next time next time you're here
1: yeah sure just bring my tools out get her done so uh what do you having andrew
3: oh
2: well i am enjoying a route tw- uh forty seven i'm sorry red which is a for a uh red uh sixty eight i b u double dry hopped red i p a Uh, from second line brewing down here in new orleans and uh it's got a got a lot of hops in it seven percent i think i said um but it's a mix of uh cascade citra and chinook hops so it doesn't really have like any distinct like citrusiness or or anything really dank it's just got like a nice uh hoppy bite to it and then the uh That that red flavor, I think we talked about it. Um, you don't like red ales, right, Brad? No, no, I'm Kinda not. I used to like, uh, uh, one of my it.
1: favorite ones was like Killian's mm-hmm. Irish Red. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well. Like way back in the day. Um, but yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know it's, I've, I think we talked about it. Like sometimes with the reds, you get kind of a like coppery, like metallic flavor, I guess. And uh, no, this is a nice, nice smooth Hoppy red
1: yeah they I, for some reason they remind me of loggers too much and i'm not much of a logger guy
3: either i there's a really good um it's almost almost an imperial red mm-hmm. that there's a brewery local brewery makes it I, you know it might have to go in the next batch that comes to you nice. it's called the uh, dawn of the red nice. and and oh I don't mean to correct but you guys have been saying this wrong it's ninkasi Okay. I think you guys, I sent one. Uh, oh, okay. You were saying, like, nin, nin Cassie. <laughs>
1: well, that's my Pennsylvania. <laughs> my Western Pennsylvania slang.
2: That's your Michigan or, accent.
3: Yeah, my Michigan
1: accent. Yeah. A little bit. So, <laughs> I appreciate all corrections mm-hmm. and reject them all.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's your opinion. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, before I... St- Start fashion. I'm gonna thank <laughs> Mr. Devin oh, for gosh. sending me a, a nice uh big old beer. Um another one out of his stash. It's a uh it's called Sour Flower Power Hour oh. from Culmination Brewing Company in uh in Portland, Oregon, where he hails from. Mm-hmm. Uh it's a simply sublime session uh sour. So it is uh 5.5 ABV and 10 IBU. Um, and from previous, uh, th- like I'm really hit or miss on sours. There's some that are great and some that are like, there's just too much. It's just like, um, I, and there's not like, there, I know there's not like a lot of variance between them, like for in my palate. Uh, but there's some that are just like when, as soon as you take that, like one or two sips, it like dries your mouth completely up and it like gets you right in the back of your tongue you know what i mean like, like it bites you back there and it just kind of all the moisture gets sucked out of your mouth do you guys understand what i'm saying yes okay oh, yeah. so but this one actually is is a pretty smooth drinking sour for me um it has that little bit of a bite but the the uh uh the, the, what it leaves in my mouth is uh it's i i don't get that after effect i guess that i that i don't like in sour so this one's pretty good um it has a bunch of hops on the on the uh label which i don't i don't taste any of that but uh overall i'd like it a lot um if like when i'm rating i try to rate the beers i'm trying to rate them on I, i like i compare them to the different different styles right so like um like I'm always gonna enjoy an IPA, like say over sour, but like uh, whenever I have, uh, like I'll I'll rate them compared to the other sours I've had. So like this one, I'm gonna give it a four because it's uh, it's definitely dry. I can see myself drinking probably two of these big bottles. These are it's a pint bottle, so nice. uh, Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Pretty I think good. it's funny
3: that said it's a session ale, but it's like almost six percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classification must be a little different. Yeah, I... In Portland or something. Yeah, I guess, because it's... It's it's like, oh, yeah, this 8.5% session Imperial IPA. Yeah. (laughs) Now they're just saying things.
1: I think they're just putting words on there that draw the eye, maybe. Right. Well, they
3: had to get that alliteration going.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, Rhyming and alliteration. So, yeah, I like it, and thank you very much for sending me uh, the previous two weeks and this week, and I think i got a couple more left to go. So, um, sucks to be Andrew, but it's all good. Correct.
3: Well, according to UPS, they damaged the package, (laughs) and then they had to discard in in its entirety the whole thing, Mm -hmm. um, which means that, you know, maybe the guy... Broke a bottle or something, which I'm not sure how he would have done that. And then opened it and was like, oh, hey, beer. Mm. Sweet. Oh, yeah.
1: Fortuitous. Some some uh, UPS driver out there is having a good good beer. Well,
3: and I know some UPS and FedEx drivers, and I would not put it past them at all. So. <laughs> but, hey, my plan is this weekend I'm going to go back down to my uh, local beer shop that has thousands upon thousands of different beers and nice. pick up some some more for you andrew sweet
2: i like it Very i appreciate sweet. it thoroughly oh, good. thoroughly
1: um i know that you're going to be partaking particularly heavy this weekend andrew yeah A- A- any special beers you're looking or are you just gonna buckle down and hit the
2: the high life uh yeah Pro, i'll probably hit the high life running um you know you you live what you drink so, so yeah know <laughs> Now, in all honesty um i know one or two of my buddies that are coming actually could tell you what they prefer f- as far as craft beers go but the rest of them is just going to be you know catchers, what, catchers. whatever's in reach yeah so uh I might try and grab a, like a, a 12pack mix some of the breweries down here, um, do like uh, four cans of uh, variety of like three of their, their beers. so I might grab a case of that and bring it to the party, and whoever wants it is welcome to it, and uh, if not, I know there's probably going to be a lot of cheap beer and cheap liquor flowing. so. Very
1: good. So, Very um, good.
2: A lot of boozing. Might not all be great, but it'll probably all be fun.
1: Well, all these beers that we're talking about can be found on Untapped, where we are. Brew and View Pod is our handle. Yeah. And we got some friends on there, and they're drinking some beers. And checking them in, Mr. Orange Peel is drinking a Deerstalker. It's a stout from Bowling Brewery. And also a Yorkshire Blonde. Again, with the crazy names. Oh, Mr. in Dallas is having a West Coast Pils. Nice. Uh, Nice, mild, and malty. Easy drinker. West Coast style Pilsner from Maine.
0: That's weird. (laughs) That's that's odd. Now I'm no
3: math Uh,
2: major, but...
3: Can you guys help me out with what that flavor is in Pilsners? Because there's like a distinct flavor and i can't ever replace it but every time i drink a pills i'm just like nah yeast. i'm not a huge lager fan just
2: tastes like yeast to me honestly I, I
1: for me it's like the absence of hops so like all the all and it's like it's stripped down to its like okay so we're going to make a beer and make it uh, bland, I guess. I for me, anyways. Like it, like.
3: <laughs> is like that just you, what like, it is? It's like a lager, but without that distinct lager yeast flavor. I. It's just nothing.
1: I, I mean, for me, yeah. I, I guess I never put a. I've never put a word on it, but I guess the yeast is probably. Is probably the. the All
3: right.
1: Yeah. Oh. Um.
2: Yeah i I always want to drink pilsners. Um, but I, I never really actually do. It's like one of those yeah. things where it's like, yeah, you know what? I'd like a good Pilsner. Like I want to like a good Pilsner cause they're usually light, easy to drink. Um, and then, you know, you go, you got your breweries that actually still put a good degree, a uh, good deal of care into everything they do. Uh, but it's just, it's not a style that I, it's a style I want to like, but when it comes down to it, No. I just, I'd rather something hoppy.
3: I think I'm right there with you. I always want to, I want to like more of those light color, light alcohol, just easy to drink beers, but Mm. they just don't do it for me. I had, I did have one Monday, it was called out of office and I was sitting next to a river, um, in a nice resort town in Oregon. Um, so I just couldn't pass up ordering the the out office Pilsner, but sure it just wasn't I don't know just didn't do it for me mm-hmm.
2: no, I, yeah, I understand I look at a
1: like I kind of look at beer like maybe someone will look at coffee like the different you know uh you know you can have an espresso, you can have a latte you can have straight up coffee, Yeah, you know um yeah, maybe maybe look at it like that you because. Know, some people could drink maybe one or two of those and like one or two of them and not like the other ones, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, I guess for like uh, – we were talking a little bit about that movie Psalm last week, right? Yes. Uh, the So maybe like if you had that distinguished pa- – or distinctive palate. Yeah. Or, you know, discerning palate, I should say, um, and able to pick out the different stuff. Uh, but you know what? I like what I like.
2: Yeah. And that's really yeah. all it comes down to is, all right, do you like what you're drinking? Yeah. Good. But, yeah, it's just, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, coffee, even, you could just do, like, plain coffee and just the roast of the beans. And, you know, you have the darker flavors and the lighter flavors. And, you know, go go from there, basically. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Nice this dark one, mm-hmm. roast.
2: Nice imperial stout. Call it a day yeah
1: yeah and you know at, over time like i we've talked about this before your palate changes and moves around and you know what you'd like a couple years ago is going to change from you know
2: for sure yeah
1: because we all regenerate all of ourselves every seven years right so we're entirely different people
2: Whoa, man see beer's deep <Yeah> um Uh, no absolutely true i mean i remember i think we've even talked about this ad nauseum but like if you brought a six pack of 312 which was um well i guess it's available everywhere now but like pre budweiser was a goose island um wheat ale uh that was only available in the, the 312 area and if you brought that to a a college party you were fancy and like we would drink a lot of those. And now I can almost like not even stomach two of them. Like it's just not something I enjoy anymore. And it's not like any sort of like, Oh, I got really sick that one time. It's, it's just like, I, I, wheat beers are not for me anymore at this point. So yeah. Yeah. Your tastes change.
4: Yeah.
1: All righty. Well, you want to get into some movies? Oh, hell yeah. All right. Uh, why don't you kick us
2: off? All right. I watched a movie from this year uh, called Death Note, which is an adaptation of a Japanese anime and comic. I don't know. if mm, I really don't know much about that, that comic world except that you read it from uh, – Right to left, and mm. oh, no, thank you. Just, mm. just kidding. Um, so it is. It is based on source material from another world. Uh, so it's the story of Light Turner, who's a bright student, and he stumbles across a mystical notebook. See what you did there. <laughs> IMDB did it. I wish I did it. I just. No. I'm just the vessel tonight. Uh, so he's light stumbles across a mystical notebook that has the power to kill any person whose name he writes in it. Light decides to launch a secret crusade to rid the world, the streets rather of criminals. Soon the student turned vigilante finds himself pursued by a famous detective known only by the alias L mm, mango was the word I was looking for based on the famous <laughs> Japanese manga.
1: Manga. Manga.
2: manga. manga. Yeah. Uh look. it's my Michigan hey. accent. No. It, the Chicago A's. <laughs> manga. <laughs> uh how'd and, you like it? Uh well, it's an interesting it's an interesting movie. So um It's uh <laughs> I didn't really love it, but it was kind of like a uh, a cursory glance of something good. Like, I think there's something good going on here. Um, it's an hour and 41 minutes. It's a Netflix exclusive. Um, it just started streaming last week um, in, in full disclosure. Uh, it's... <sighs> There's something interesting. I think it's the, the premise is interesting. The execution's not bad um, in parts. I think the acting's pretty good. Um, so you have uh, Nat Wolf, Wolf with two F's. I'll let you guess where they are, though, uh, plays Light Turner. Lakeith hm. Stanfield plays Elle. Uh, Margaret Qualley plays Mia. And uh, Shay Wiggum plays James, Light's dad. And Willem Dafoe does the voice of Ryuk, who is the demon contained in this Death Note journal that light falls falls upon, stumbles across. And uh, it's it seems to really just kind of breeze by. Um, it's almost like an overview of what I think you would get um, because it's a manga and also an anime series. Um, It seems like just a cursory glance of what you can find uh, more in-depth elsewhere. And I got to say, it was good enough that it got me interested. Like, I might actually go and check out the uh, manga that this is based off of. Okay. Um, But it jumps around a lot. Like, I'm not sure if this movie takes place in a week or in a six month span like it just it doesn't have a really good sense of time the pacing's really weird um character motivation kind of lacking like all of a sudden it's like light is interested in this girl mia and he's like let me show you this book where if i write someone's name in it they'll die i feel like that's pretty heavy responsibility to just lightly show to a girl who you think is cute um, casually bring that up.
1: Well, she she smokes cigarettes and she's a cheerleader, hey, so
2: she smokes. She pokes. Everyone knows that. Yeah, so she's down with it. Yeah, she's cool and edgy, even though she's a cheerleader. Not that cheerleaders can't be edgy, but um, you know, movies and TV shows tend to adhere pretty strictly to. Um,
1: I I I watched like the first maybe 20 25 minutes of this movie yeah. um uh, but for time constraints i couldn't finish it um what it felt like to me like and tell me if it, it can continues this, it kind of mm-hmm. felt like a little bit like an amalgamation of a couple different movies it felt kind of uh the ring or mm-hmm. and a little bit of uh uh if follows but not as stylized um and but it progressed really fast like yeah. in those
2: like, yeah it did it did for sure. uh, but it
1: was, it felt really heavy on the tropes, you know, Yeah. the loner kid, the, you know, the, the dead mom, the, yeah. you know, the, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, the cop dad who doesn't really understand or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, uh, I was, I was wondering how yeah. you were, how you took it So uh, you, based with, off that first part of it.
2: With the tropes you're, you're a hundred percent on everything is kind of by the numbers. And I think that. Uh, in a way that maybe helps it uh, breeze by so quickly because they they kind of, um, it's kind of weird to say because I don't necessarily think it's a great decision, um, but it seems like they kind of know their audience enough to know like, hey, you know how it goes. This is the loner kid. This is the cop dad. This is the um, incredible detective who's going to find his man. This is the, Doom and Gloom, girlfriend, and then, yeah, yeah, and then the eight-foot demon is the bad guy, which that was the one thing that threw me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it it's uh, it's just it's not well executed, but the premise is there, and I think the premise was interesting enough to me. Like I said, I do want to learn more. So if I take anything away, take anything away from this movie, it's that. I I can appreciate it that it might be steering me in the right direction. Um, I gave it a, a pretty soft six. Um, it's getting trashed on IMDb though. Uh, four. It's trending it at a four point seven, and something that like Death Note I think has a pretty significant cult following. For them to not show up and support this or. Not, not support, but for for people to kind of jump on and not be psyched about it, I think you know says something about it. I don't I don't really know anyone I'd recommend this to.
3: So okay. Well, the the anime mm-hmm. series of it's got a nine on IMDb. So yeah. Yes. I think I, I I don't know. I get the sense that like you say, you want it. You're a little interested and want to to know more. And like you know, it's like I think it's maybe it's one of those movies that just really. It belongs as a TV show,
2: right? Yeah, it's it's just there's not no reason the right to medium. ruin it. Yeah,
3: no reason to ruin it with making it fitting it into an hour and a half, two hour time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder.
1: I wonder. Like some of the some of these movies are like you know the fans clamor for it, you know, and they think, well, you know, it's got a following. You know, we should do something with that. You know, yeah. we have this property. Let's do something with it, you know. And whether or not they, they execute, then you know, that's the question.
2: Yeah. Um, one thing to take away if you are going to watch this movie, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, great physical acting. Like, he was, I just, he just moved so fluid. And, um, like, he was just kind of, like, jumping around. And he's a really, he's he's a tall, very thin guy and like he just um i don't know the physicality that he brought to his role as l was um really good uh cool yeah and and he kind of did something with his voice uh i i think he's a he's a guy to watch too um yeah
1: he's yeah he's gonna get some more stuff, I think.
2: Yeah. I hope, he, I, I hope he continues to play Snoop Dogg. I think that'd be great. I think I bring it up every time on the show that, that we mention him, but there's just, just he just has. Just that. Keep, keep making movies about Snoop Dogg? Well, just, I think they're going to do the Death Row movie. Yeah. And um, I'm following I know. in the footsteps of Straight Outta Compton. And I just, I hope that he can play Snoop Dogg because I really uh, love him as an actor and I really love Snoop Dogg as all-around entertainer
1: that'd be funny if they made like some kind of series you know like the born identity but like the you know the dog identity or (laughs)
2: uh
1: you know just make just set (laughs) snoop in different situations where he has to you know fight crime or international spy or
2: well you know know what i need now that it's i didn't know i needed it till you said that i need a uh I need Snoop Dogg on the uh, Mike Tyson Mysteries.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he should be, right?
2: Yeah. Yes. That would be amazing because Mike Tyson Mysteries is fantastic. Yeah. Can't miss. Guy's a champ. Any any ring he throws his hat into, guy's a winner. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe.
1: He he excels at everything he
2: does. (laughs) Sure. <laughs> Some things he shouldn't be doing. Yes, it's, uh, it's for another episode in the past. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyways. Well, you
1: assigned me a movie.
2: I did. Yeah. I hope this goes and over you... well better than Death Note. I appreciate the the assignment, though. I am glad I watched it to to get that out there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was interested for sure, and you were my yeah.
1: canary in the coal mine. So. Um, and I'll, prob- I'll probably finish watching it. Yeah, right.
2: honestly, it's a, it's a light. It's, it's a pretty digestible movie. Um, but the climax now, Devin, like you said, um, thinking about the climax now, it definitely belongs in another medium. So, yeah.
3: Just... Well, and I, I've been hearing a lot about the uh, Gunslinger movie. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Stephen King, and it's like his saga.
2: Yeah, the Dark Tower
3: yeah, the Dark Tower um and it's like, you know, I don't 6 7 books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone loves it, but they go and make a movie that's kind of in okay. that world, but it's just kind of borrowing from all these different books and no one likes it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no it one likes the movie. Rushed. And I'm reading The Gunslinger, which is the first book in that series right now, mm-hmm. just to see what the hype is and um, I don't know. I guess knowing that it got destroyed by critics and everyone that was a fan, you know, probably changed my mind about how I go into watching the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if I know that it's going to probably skip over a bunch of stuff, because when you take seven books that are a saga and try to put it into one, it just isn't going to work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or if you, if you do like the Harry Potter thing and, and (laughs) make eight,
3: eight
2: movies out of of you know so i was
3: was thinking more uh hobbit where you take oh oh, yeah you know the the three lord of the rings books which are great movies they're long movies but then you take the shortest of the books and then make that into three movies and it doesn't work yeah it's like my one of my favorite series of movies and one of my least favorite series of movies nice
2: (laughs) <laughs> it's a good point. It's same, a really good point. So, yeah. Same director, same uh a uh taking from the same author.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's cash in. Yeah.
2: Cash rules. Yep. Wu Tang taught me that. <laughs> um so but I uh, yeah. doc.
1: Yes. That's uh Nightmares in to. Red, White, and Blue, the evolution of the American Horror Film. Uh this is uh an exploration of the basically they he what the the filmmaker does is get a bunch of it's it's directed by Andrew um Monument and he he gets a bunch of horror directors and they basically chronicle the history of horror movies in America mm. and they go from i mean the silent the silent to the talkies and up to like present day. And um they give me one sec my dog's chewing on something. Hey. <whistles> nope. Um so they they and what they do is they try to explain each they break it up into kind of like decades or you know 15 15 year uh incre- increments and explain the the uh, the different genre, genres within the genre, as I, I would say, or the different styles and the different uh, motifs of the the different eras, and uh, they do a pretty good job. They get uh, Larry Cohen and uh, Joe Dante and John Carpenter and uh, Mick, Mick Garris, uh, Tom McLaughlin, George Romero, um, Roger Corman, a uh, bunch you know, bunch of the you know, names you'd know from horror. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's pretty good. It's, it's, I actually really loved it. Uh, oh, good. it was, yeah, it was, it was fun to, cause they, they really kind of break down and like it's things I knew, but never really put my finger on. Um, as you look back through the generations and the eras of horror movies, you know, mm-hmm. you look at the, the forties and the fifties and the sixties and how it, uh, like the evolution be, uh, of it, you know, I, you know, you could go back to like the, you know, the teens and twenties, you know, when you're getting, you know, Nosferatu and all that stuff, and you know they these guys all have like a very, uh, you know, a fondness for all that, um, but then you get into the stuff that, you know, I'm not going to sit down and watch Nosferatu. I mean, I may have seen it parts of it, uh, you know, like on YouTube or something like that. I just, it, that doesn't, it doesn't really interest me, I guess. Um, I know there's a history in it and I just can't bring myself to, uh, uh, to, to stomach it, I guess. Um, but whenever it comes to like, you know, the forties and, and then you get into the universal monsters and then you get into the, you know, the shocking chairs and stuff, uh, in the theaters where they're trying to just, uh, stimulate the audience just to scream you know they're tr- just trying to sell tickets by you know um there's certified doctors on yeah. in the theater so in case anyone has a heart attack or you know all that kind of stuff which is you know fun and neat and they and then they start to go into like the 60s and 70s and you know they're also at the same time they're explaining the genres but they're also explaining the the social um implications that, that go along with why the movies evolve and you know, you get into the yeah. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They get into, um, um, you know, the the disillusionment with the Vietnam War. You know, and then they get into, you know, into the '80s with the, the you know the Reaganomics. I mean, John Carpenter just hates Reagan. Yeah. It's he just, <laughs> just hates him. Um, it was great to see just like a uh, him just bash it and. Uh, uh, he, he did, uh, they live and he was trying to, exp- you know, if you watch, they live, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I mean, I understand why people love it. I, I don't really particularly like it that <laughs> much. Um, but like w- through his, when, when a, a, a filmmaker, whenever he, like you watch a, a commentary or someone talking about their work. And you can you can see their work through their eyes and what they were trying to say um, that that adds adds another level to a film for me. And yeah. like in uh, hearing uh, you know, we lost from uh, Romero this year, mm-hmm. um, but hearing him talk and in the way, he, you know, he burst on the scene with Night of the Living Dead and then, you know, all, you know, Day of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead and you know, all the things that followed that, you know, it, some of it was good. Other stuff really devolved into, but all, everything had like some social commentary to it. And that was cool to see. Yeah. Um, and then they, of course they got into like the nineties and, and up till, to, up till, well, this was made in 2009. Um, so pretty much up to that point. Yep. And it was, it was, a, it's a, it's it's I mean it's nice and short. It's an hour thirty six minutes, and it will get, if you're interested at all in the history of movie making, it's a nice bite sized chunk of, of, uh, of that history through the eyes of the people who made these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's, I mean the the graphics and stuff are kind of eh, but <laughs> you know but they have access to a lot of the the like you see a lot of the the, um, it, they play a lot of clips and stuff from all the movies to to give you the example or to give you uh, how it, how it's uh to give you a feel for it. They don't just talk about it. They you know they they demonstrate it. It's not just talking heads the whole time. So yes, uh, but yeah, I would recommend this to anyone who who likes even likes movies. Uh, it's 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 definitely interesting. Yeah, it, it'll hold your yeah. attention. It's not it's not too long. It's nice bite size. Like Cliff Notes version of filmmaking for horror movies.
2: Yeah, cool. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it is interesting. And then when you you get to hear kind of the, like you said, Car- Carpenter going after Reagan, get to kind of hear the um, stories from the creator's mouths, as it were. So appreciate that. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. It, just the reflection, because yeah. cause horror movies... They do kind of come and go. They do come and go in waves. And um, to hear some of the reasoning behind that and um, like the slasher flicks, I think they were talking about in this one the slasher flicks, like they don't understand why Christians don't like slasher movies.
1: Right. It's pretty much telling a moral story. Yeah. If you, you know, it's one of the seven
2: deadly sins, a force of nature will wreak havoc on you.
1: Yes, exactly. It's yeah. uh yeah, and uh that was a I forgot to mention. That's that's a good point. Yeah. Um yeah, they're like we we are doing, you know, what the religious people were talking about. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's it, it was interesting. Uh I highly recommend it. It's streaming cool. on Amazon right now, so uh check it out.
2: Cool. Nice. I'm I'm glad that worked it's- out. Because uh, I think I said last week, like I said, I just I'm I'm a really big fan of the genre, um, so I was curious to get the kind of a set of eyes that was a little less um, biased. So,
1: well, yeah, I mean, you're you're a big horror guy. Um, I yeah I yeah why I Devin I I, I highly recommend this for you too. I I think it'd be pretty. I think it'd be worth it.
3: Yeah, I will definitely check it out. I recently discovered with the number of documentaries you guys have been watching mm-hmm. that my tolerance for documentaries is on the shorter <laughs> length side. Usually about an hour and ten minutes in, I check how long there's hmm. left. Yeah. And I'm like, if it's another hour, usually I turn it off.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and there's like definitely but. there's some there that like – it, especially if it's if if it's leaning, you know, like all of course, all uh, what's his name's, um, you know, if there's a political leaning or something that's like agenda by, based, it's like okay, I'm not, good. you know, um, you know, like there's not a lot of people, not like half the people are going to want to watch an inconvenient truth. The other people, not going to want to watch it, right?
2: Yeah. It, yeah. Um,
1: or uh, uh, what's his name, Michael uh, Moore, Mike Moore, you know, like. He's got a, he's cut his audience in half, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But hour and a half sounds, sounds great. I, I might have to watch that one on my own. I'm not sure if Gwen's gonna, yeah. She's oh, not it, much into the horror genre. Yeah, it, it's, but. uh,
1: it's definitely got some, um, it's R rated. It's definitely, it, it does not shy away from showing some nudity. So B oh,
3: she, oh, so she might watch it with me.
1: Okay. Well then good. <laughs> It's got Jason, uh, or not Jason Bateman, uh, Patrick Bateman running through the, the halls with a chainsaw naked, so. Oh, nice.
2: Yeah. Nice. All right,
1: well, you nice. watched a, yes. a movie, Devin?
3: I did, and this is one, you know, I actually watched it a while back, but I was looking through the list of movies that I've watched, and this one kind of stuck out as one that I, I I really liked it. I hadn't heard it, heard of it before, um, but it popped up on recommendation on Amazon Prime, and it's called The Battle for Sevastopol, and it's a Russian-Ukrainian slash Russian movie. Um, it's oh, this is subtitled, and it's about it's a true story about a female sniper in World War II, and it's just a Really, I thought it was a really good action slash biodrama pick, I guess. Because um, there's definitely action. There's a good amount of action in it, but it's not you know like a Saving Private Ryan type. You really do get to know the character and kind of you. It draws you in enough that you really do care what's going on. I, I think it reminded me a lot of Enemy at the Gates.
4: Okay. That, oh,
3: yeah. Uh, Jude Law movie from, I don't know, late 90s. That is one of my all-time favorite movies. And this one really reminded me of that, which is kind of strange that it was a Russian sniper World War II movie. Um, but... Rachel Bates. Uh Yeah, it was just, you know, it was... For the most part pretty solid acting. There was a couple characters that, you know, you weren't quite believable, but um in general it was just a a really good story. Um kinda sad, kinda make feel good. You definitely drama in the sense that classical sense that you lose some people you care about and other people survive and yeah. It's a good story. Cool.
1: Well, I know this. I mean, I know this story. I've heard I've heard tale of it, of the the lady that's um, being uh, talked about here. Um, and and I know that they've been trying to make a movie about her in the U.S. as well, because it is such a good story. Like she was it was crazy how many people like. Yeah, she she was just like a phenomenal sniper. And like and her story is pretty crazy as well. So, yeah.
3: Yeah. I'm trying to remember how many kills she had. But it was it was kind of ridiculous even for for World War Two. Right. It's 309 confirmed kills. Mm -hmm. It looks like. And for, you know, if you believe how they portray her just in the pictures, I guess, just this unassuming little Russian girl. That started pretty young in the army and just uh, tough as nails, and ended up being one of the the deadliest snipers in history.
0: So, pretty great, yeah, that's
3: Amazon Prime, get my recommendation for sure. Nice, cool. There you yeah, go. Yeah, it's a battle for Sevastopol.
1: Well, she was in like she was in st- at Stalingrad too, right? I think. Was one of her? Was she in there at that? No, maybe not. I remember hearing a story, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'll I'll actually check this out because I'm into yeah, uh, that that time period um, war movie type thing. So
3: cool. Yeah, it's an hour and fifty minutes, so it's it's not too long. Cool uh
1: that kind of dovetails into um a couple weeks ago I talked about uh uh a, a series I guess uh, on uh, on Amazon Prime called Comrade De- Detective yes and um so this uh I don't even know what to think about this um <laughs> I really don't because what it is is it's a uh, it's based so it's like there's it's everything's not tongue in cheek, but everything's supposed to be this is how it is so like it 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 reminded me a little bit of, was that mind mindhorn yes okay. okay, it reminded me a little bit about of that, but um not quite it, it's supposedly a nineteen uh nineteen eighties Romanian detective show that um through the help of uh, Channing Tatum and a director they um, uh, Ray or uh, what's his name, Ray Thompson Thomas. Um, and I know him from something, but um, it, they they've restored, they've restored this '80s Romanian <laughs> TV show, and it, it's like it's that's supposed to be the setup for it, mm-hmm. and so what they've done is dubbed everyone's voices over top of it, but it's it's obviously being filmed now. Mm-hmm. But it's they're they're doing this under a guise. And at the beginning of the first episode, they they're sitting with Chang Tatum, Tatum and the director in like this theater as like a commentary type thing, and they they explain why they wanted to do this and how they wanted to do this, and and basically they have all these actors doing like Romanian actors doing this. It's set in I think in Prague, um, uh, and all. They get so many actors to dub the voices, so none of the actors show up on stage. Like Chang Tamen, Joseph uh, Gordon Levitt, uh, Jenny Slate, uh, oh Jason uh, Man, uh, a Man, I can't pronounce his name. Man or Man um, uh, Chloe Sevigny, Nick Offerman, uh, Jake Johnson, um, like all these big, like you know, notable names are dubbing all these lines and it's like an <laughs> eight or 10 episode run. It's just weird, but it's kind of entertaining at the same time.
2: Yeah. And, and That's pretty clever.
1: Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know if I would recommend it for anybody, but I liked it. I, I was watching <laughs> it on the plane down to Florida and back. So, oh, so is, I it, it.
3: F- is it filmed? They it's re th- re-shot it or they just dubbed it? It's no, it's, it, it's
1: under the guise of like it's funny because like everything is like based off of um nineteen eighties uh communist propaganda, so like everything has a uh pro communist slant to it, and everything america is bad, and like all American things are like very bad, like the uh embassy uh the uh the con- or um uh, not the consulate but the um, who's the person that is in the embassy, the ambassador ambassador, right. Is this like real brash woman with like, um, you know, like a uh, Jordache jeans on and stuff. And then they find a monopoly game and like, they don't know, understand what it is. They can't figure it out <laughs> because, you know, monopoly is all about capitalism. And they're just, they're like, like they're sitting and trying to figure it out. And like, they have to go to like experts and stuff to to figure out what this is. So, that's pretty um, funny. Uh, it's so, but it's done like, so you know how Airplane was done, and this isn't like Airplane where it's like a joke every minute. But you know how, um, yes, yeah, deadpan. It's deadpan. Everything is played straight, right? But yeah. the laughs are there. This is way lesser degree, but it's um, it's it's deadpan and taken at face value seriously. But there's undercurrents of like comedy in there. So I don't know who it's for. I kind of dug it. So <laughs> if you want to check it out, check out the first episode. And what was cool is I was watching on my phone and the, uh, Amazon, uh, app for my phone, you can touch it and it brings up the, the people who were on, who were, uh, who were on the screen at the time.
3: Yeah. And X-ray, it, it right? tells,
1: right. So because yeah, it's tie-
3: tied to IMDb, right? Right, yes, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. like, I was
1: constantly clicking that to see who was talking. And uh, it was just, yeah, just to see all the different actors that were in it. So, yeah, kind of neat.
2: That's all I got. Sounds pretty good. I'm interested. All uh, right. Um, shall we dole out some assignments, perhaps? Sure. All right.
1: Sure. Well, uh, well, both of you, if you want to watch it, but spe- 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 specific- specifically for you, Andrew.
2: Yeah, I'm bound by uh, contract to watch it. <laughs>
1: um, on uh, Netflix right now is the uh, I think it's 2016 release movie uh, Gold, starring Matthew McConaughey.
3: Yes. My only question is: Does he take his shirt off? Uh,
2: he's fat in this one. Speaking of contractual oh. obligations. Fat and balding. You know what? Uh, Give me something
1: else. (laughs) It's also got Edgar Ramirez, who I really like, and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, who I like, too. Yep, yep. Yep.
2: Feel you on that one. Nice. Cool. I'll check it out. Uh, From 2015, uh, I have a documentary that is uh, well under two hours. Um, coming in an hour and 24 minutes, it's the... oh just my size. Uh, yes. Mm. <laughs> well, Hot Girls Wanted <laughs> <laughs> might be just what you're looking for this week. Uh, it is a documentary about um, how easy it is for uh, web-savvy persons to end up making porn and getting drawn into the sex trade and the... The hilarious pratfalls of that.
1: Yeah, real a real uplifter.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, fun for the whole feel good.
1: family.
3: Feel good movie of the year.
2: Yeah, that's I think that's what it was uh, dubbed in 2015. If, it, if you so to make yourself for, feel
3: better about your own life <laughs> of the yeah. year.
2: If you're looking for one documentary to watch with your family, Hot Girls <laughs> Wanted 2015.
1: <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. Yeah. Down, um, it it's,
2: yeah, it's interesting. and uh, I, think I remember I you guys said, talking about it on uh, Mavs. Yes, yeah, we talked about it a, w- a little bit ago, but I think that there are good conversations to be had and uh, shows all about conversations, so why not? Yeah. Cool. I'm excited. Um, maybe you've seen those. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're waiting for us to give you the word on that. Um, we got you covered. We got some, mm-hmm. some movies that we know are good that you might want to stream this weekend. Sure. You got one of my personal favorites.
1: I do. Uh, streaming on Amazon. Uh, super bad. Yeah. Um, great movie. Just fun. Uh, coming of age movie. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's definitely worth, worth the watch. Yes. A uh, lot of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, can't go wrong with it.
2: Yeah. I think it strikes that perfect balance of... Um, reality and absurdity with Mm -hmm. the uh the uh seth and evan storyline is very plays very true to life and the mclovin storyline is just a complete fantasy and right it's it's just a really like perfect cocktail of that so
1: yeah and just the right amount of raunch
2: yes yes you had me at raunchy um (laughs) so uh Superbad is streaming on amazon prime i've got another one for you you're talking about people who like movies uh i don't know a lot of people i actually don't know if i've talked to anybody who's seen this movie who doesn't like it uh it is from 2004 the movie city of god it is a foreign flick um but it is one of those where uh i i think i think it's essential viewing for people who are into movies um and even I know people don't like uh, foreign films. I know people don't like uh, what what are they called subtitles. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm struggling with those words tonight. But I even people who don't, if they sit down and give this a chance, uh, I think you'll like it. Cool, City of God.
1: Yeah. Yep, it's uh it's a uh, it's it's, it's I'm not my top. 10 probably, but it's one of my favorite movies, I oh,
2: think. Good. good, yeah, it's yeah, um, it, it's kind of in line with Super Bad. Like, I, I think it's one of those movies that most people have seen, but just in case you haven't, uh, it should be um, high on, on movie fans' list. And I assume if you're listening to this, you're probably a fan of movies, so.
1: or a fan of us,
2: maybe that's entirely or possible too. Fan of Devons. That's true too. I expect a uh, welcome spike. All. I expect a spike yes. in listenership. Yes.
1: Welcome.
3: Welcome. Yes. I did get a fan recognition at my brother's wedding. Nice. And there was like a cousin or some niece or something of the new sister in law that was like, oh, you're part of the podcast. Like, oh, you're Master Zed. The guest host that's on, I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, people <laughs> listen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, what have you heard? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's always, people who don't um, know how podcasting works are always very impressed. Like, man, you do a podcast, There's there's nothing to it. <laughs> yeah. How's that working out for you? Really good. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> Sponsors? Uh, no, but I no, am, but I get, but I am I get, thinking about AA. Just
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I do drink a lot of beer. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, you should get a sponsor, man. You look really sad. No, that doesn't that yeah. happen.
1: I
3: got
2: you.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of uh, your other podcasts. Yeah. Uh, tell us about it a little bit.
2: Well, uh, it's so called you... uh, The engineerdy Show. Ah, uh, Devin, go ahead.
3: We want to hear all about it. You can occasionally find me on <laughs> the Inja <Inge Nerdy> Show, <laughs> which is a podcast with nerds, not about nerds. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. It's a weekly podcast about nerd news, pop culture, technology, uh, and current events. Um, iTunes. Probably not Stitcher. Nice. Um, hmm. I think the website now is com. They're having some troubles, so I think <laughs> with their that's, web hosts, they're having a web hosting thing. issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just go to iTunes. Yeah. You can find them. Nice. Um Yeah, yeah I'm I'm doing... I haven't
1: checked it out. Um, it's it's a neat. It's it's
3: a. Uh, so it's I don't, more I don't, silly. It's I a don't lot know, more silly.
1: Any family that's as like as in touch with each other as you guys, not like in a weird way, but in a <laughs> you know a nice a nice familiar familial way. Um, like I like to be think that I'm close with my brother, mm-hmm. uh, but I only talk to him like once, maybe a week. Well, I guess and like barely sometimes, maybe it's just a couple texts. You know, as I and more, and I wish I could do more.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's it's cool that you know you guys kind of you have that uh good good relationship so
3: well that's how it all started is uh it was getting together occasionally and the first few episodes you can tell are pretty random um but it was just occasionally get everybody together not me but the other three brothers um and then they started recording it recording it and then once they all moved into the same area they just started doing it weekly and it's a good excuse to to get together hang out bs um be sillier than their wives um appreciate and yeah. um broadcast it out into the internet
1: yeah and yeah. you guys are up there too you you're beating the heck out of mass right now you got 29 on them
2: no one no or, one's beating or maybe 25 that's right. We're so, going to release a bunch of mini episodes these next few weeks. So. <laughs> <laughs> just pad our stats. Just uh, one word episodes? Yeah. Episode 300 coming sooner than you think.
3: Yeah. Which, just yeah they're up to, 200, 20, or, they're yeah, up to just 236. Ep, no, 230. Yeah, six episodes, I think. So,
2: yeah, we just did 204. So you're, yeah, 32. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Sure. Yep. Nice. And
3: I'm actually uh, recording with those guys since Mr. Pold is on his honeymoon. Oh, yeah. I'm recording with those guys later tonight.
1: Oh, good. Nice. Good. Well, nice. tell them, give them our best.
2: Yes. I will. That's awesome.
3: Andrew, you do another podcast.
2: <laughs> I do do another podcast. It's called Man and Andrew Society. And we. You said do do. Hey, that is par for our, for our uh, our bar of quality content on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to pour over the minutia of our day to day lives, and uh, we're uh, we're on the dot com along with every episode of this show. So yeah, so there you go. If you need more Brad in your life, Brad, knows.
1: why wouldn't you? Yeah uh span Spanavoid, uh me four other guys or three other guys uh do the same thing pretty much and uh <laughs> i actually uh i do a little bit calling out the mavs podcast this week on yeah. this show coming me, up so
2: uh you're uh, on notice i was gonna try and uh try and uh, scoop stv get you on our show to to weigh in before that happened but oh really
1: yeah, yeah. well it, it's not it's not on the current one that's out right now so it's on the, the one we just recorded last night so it'll be out this sunday so yeah
2: i think that mm, i i think you told me about that it was coming and yeah. uh the when we recorded you were in florida so i was like well i'm not even gonna bother him and uh yeah. so yeah we're on notice but yep don't worry well, something tells me we'll be able to work through it.
1: I I want I just want to respond. Uh, re, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I I want the, the uh, re, a respond rap or you know a diss <laughs> track. If Matt got one, I want one too.
3: Well,
2: I I don't know. No about all the that. warning. <laughs>
1: so you put that at the end of the episode for sure. this one. I got it. Yeah, I did uh
3: that was pretty good. I actually found that clip to have Gwen listen to it just cuz it was so good. <laughs> well, thank you. When you replayed it on Mavs. Yeah. Hey, it's the, pretty good.
2: the rewind in action.
3: Oh. Yep. <laughs> well, I th- I got uh three of my siblings to listen or to go watch the uh Span the Void Facebook.
2: Mm.
3: feed.
2: Oh yeah. Last week I saw that they were all on and we I was like
3: and everyone was thoroughly confused. That can't
2: be good yeah. for your friendship or your relationship. Or your
3: <laughs> hey, check this out!
2: Man, you, you didn't actually listen to that, did you?
3: <laughs> well, I I was I don't remember what I was doing at the time, but I got a notification on my phone that said that you guys were live, mm-hmm. and so I I didn't I couldn't watch it, but I just shared it on my Facebook, and evidently two of my Brothers, which are on Inch Nerdy, and um, my sister was actually on there. She has a different last name, so you probably didn't even know. Oh, probably not. No, um, because I secret viewer. Yeah,
1: because I didn't. I couldn't remember DVD's first name, (laughs) and I was like, and then then I was like, oh yeah, that's him. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Nice. That's awesome. Um, You guys need to adopt the uh, what's his name, the Bill O'Reilly, do it live. Oh yeah. Clip. Do it live. Yeah. At the at the start of every episode. That's that's my official request. Um as All someone right. who doesn't even have Facebook, uh please do that to cater to me.
1: Oh uh, maybe. But Facebook <laughs> is very there's it's, Are they it's it, it's I, not good. It's like we played thirty seconds of a song we got booted. Really? Yeah. So yeah. They're very testy. They're mm. very particular. So anyways, let's not talk about that anymore. We talk that's, about enough yeah. of that on our other shows. So let's yes, get yes. into the subject at hand.
2: Well, listen, before we dip into that, I do have to go grab another brew ha ha.
1: Well, that's why I invited Devin on. Because so then you, you can leave and we can yeah, talk.
2: You guys keep keep doing what you huh. do. All right, and to you kids listening at home, that probably feels like no time at all. Yeah. So we're back with the main event. Um, Devin, as our guest, you uh, gave us this uh, top five countdown, which uh, I think is wonderful. So, if you would like to introduce it, let us know what it's all about. Your uh, your headspace you were in when you came up with it, et cetera. So mm-hmm. your, your process. <laughs>
3: Yeah, so we are doing the top five non-motorized chase scenes. So it kind of started, I was just thinking chase scenes in general, because really I wanted to talk about Mad Max Fury Road. Oh. Um, Well, then I
1: kind of screwed you then. (laughs) Yeah,
3: that's okay. More Uh, of a movie than a scene. Brad Brad was like, there's so many car chase scenes. How are we going to narrow it down? So... (laughs) Which is a totally cool because it actually made me think a little harder about mm-hmm. these movies instead of just throwing out five. You know, they'd probably be the same top five chase scenes: Gone in sixty seconds, Italian Job, um, Fury Road, yeah, um, you know, Bourne trilogy, something like that. But I,
1: yeah,
3: that's okay. Yeah, um, because I came up with. I think a pretty good mix. I, th- I think there's a couple that have cars or motorcycles in them, but the the main chase happens with somebody else on something else or on foot. Um, so my number five is actually a bicycle versus mm-hmm. car chase scene in Transporter Three with Jason Statham. Cool. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a fan of the franchise mostly just probably for the most same reason like a lot of people are into the um, Fast and Furious franchise it's like you know what it what to expect you're gonna get like this solid action movie with you know a certain level of certain caliber of actor and you're gonna get some amazing scenes that are going to be just kind of mind blowing. And you know that that's what you're going to get with a transporter movie is you're going to get some crazy driving. Cause that's kind of the whole point is Jason Statham. Who's a badass, driving a car. Um, so at one point in transporter three, he has, so the whole spoiler alert premise, he has a bomb strapped to him with a proximity sensor to this car. So he yeah. cannot get it, leave the car he has to drive. Right. Um, and he gets effectively fired by having someone else steal the car while he's out of it. And the, um, next scene is him chasing this car on foot. And then he commandeers a bicycle, like a BMX bike. Um, and is chasing chasing it through some I think it's like Eastern European city on a bicycle um, and it ends with him him uh basically surfing the bike and then diving, breaking the window out of the driver's seat car and you know hitting the guy that stole it oh, and of uh, course <laughs> uh resuming like nothing happened and just is like, all right, cool, let's go <laughs> <laughs> um, who was it uh
1: uh who's the Pollock um uh the guy from Usual Suspects. Um last name Pollock. Uh is a comedian. I don't know, but he does some impressions too. But anyways, he's his impression of Jason Statham is you know what I mean.
3: Yeah. That's it.
0: Yeah,
1: you know you
3: know what I mean. You know what I mean? But, sorry. Didn't mean to Yeah, d- no, Jason Statham is uh I wouldn't consider him a good actor, but he's very... He's oh, very, I like him. Um, ...what like he does him. for the physical side of it.
1: Sure. Sure. Sweet. I was trying to look... I was looking for a bicycle, uh, like, any, like, stuff like that, and I just couldn't find one that would, like, all into that.
3: That was the only one I could find that was a bicycle. Nice. Um, and I, well, for, just for a little bit, I there are probably technically better chase scenes and movies, but if I don't like the movie, I didn't pick it. So these are all movies that I, that I, I like.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, Um, me too. For
3: um, sure. So that was kind of a big prerequisite. It wasn't just the chase scene, but it was kind of overall the movie. Cool.
2: Yeah. Nice.
1: Well, uh, in traditional fashion, I got a five a and five (laughs) B, but both from the same movie, uh, 1981, we had a little movie by Steven Spielberg and George Lucas called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. And everyone thinks of the big uh the big chase scene at the beginning uh where it's it's not he's not really running from anyone but a thing primarily a big boulder and a lot of uh a lot of uh Arrows and tricks and traps and everything he's trying to get away from. Um, everyone loves this movie, right? I mean, this is this is classic cinema. It's it holds up, um, <clears throat> uh, and you know that opening scene is great. You know, it sets the stage for uh, you know uh, Indiana Jones and and what he's all about and his his, uh, his 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 ability to figure things out and yet and get out of situations by. The skin of his teeth and being beat up, but the the that was a the the B is the one I want to talk about is the the chasing in Cairo where uh, him and Marion Ravenwood are are walking around Cairo and he's got the monkey on his shoulders and all of a sudden a bunch of ne'er-do-wells hired by the Nazis come to either kill or kidnap the two because they have uh, knowledge of the uh, the the location of the the Lost Ark, and and the chase goes through um, the streets of Cairo, and there's so many iconic scenes in, um, and and in, in this where you know uh, he's fighting a couple guys, and you know the one guy stabs towards him, he he parries and the bad guy stabs another bad guy and there's some fruit on the back of the sword as it sticks out. And he pulls it out like a shish kebab. Um, you get the iconic scene where he runs through a crowd and he, all of a sudden he sees this big, uh, big guy with a huge, uh, what do they call those swords? Those, uh, they're not a, obviously it's not a, it's like, a, uh, you know, a, a real giant blade, you know, he's all over the place. And, 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 uh, I found some trivia on this, You know, where uh, where uh, Indiana Jones pulls out the gun, shoots the guy, you know, comedic relief in the middle of this chase. Well, in the movie or in the script, it it called for him to take his his uh, his whip and grab the sword and pull it towards him and 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 attack him.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, at the time that this was filmed, the whole crew, the whole cast had been like really sick with like some kind of food poisoning or some kind of virus. Right. And at the time, like uh, Harrison Ford was like, I, I can't do this right now. Why don't I just pull a gun out and just shoot it? And Steven Spielberg liked <laughs> it. And they, that's what that, that's what went on the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, near the cutting room, not on the cutting room floor, but you know, that's when, in, when it in the made midst. the cut. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie is like filled with chase scenes, whether it's, you know, Um, you know, the sub chasing the, the, the boat, um, you know, him chasing the truck on a horse, all that stuff. It's basically a movie of chase scenes, but this, this one is the non-motorized one that I really love because, um, it shows his, uh, tenacity and his, his willingness to go and find Marion, uh, for, uh, for love, I guess he's, he's in love with her. So yeah, Rares of Lost Dark.
2: Nice. Nice, nice. Uh, So, my number five is the little uh, movie from 1993 that we seem to keep talking about. Um, It's a a good old man versus beast foot race. Uh, I'm talking about the climax of the Sandlot. Yes. uh, Benjamin Franklin Rodriguez, better known as Benny the Jet, takes on Hercules, the bull mastiff um trying to retrieve the baseball uh signed by baby ruthie mm-hmm. and uh this is um i don't know it, this is a movie like i said we we keep talking about it but it, it's just a great like uh it, they just kind of cover all the um the summertime themes they got the uh, some sort of like patriotic parade probably 4th of July i would assume or no because it's after the fireworks scene so some right. sort of like patriotic parade um running through the movie theater which is a great use of the uh of the wolfman um with the beast jumping through <laughs> through the screen during uh Lon mm-hmm. Cheney's transformation yeah. and uh um Shoot, what is it the pool yeah kind of covering all your uh your summertime bases and um, well it
1: basically ran through all the places they were all right stuff, right
2: yeah absolutely and uh <laughs> and just kind of add to the uh you know benny the jet the uh the neighborhood legend um and of course it it culminates in uh not not a permanent demise but a they They best the beast for one uh for a brief moment before they realize that he's he's a he's a good dog hmm. um, yeah. but it's just it's such a great culmination um, oh it's it puts on gr- the the p f flyers and and
1: yeah was, everything leads up to that like every, it's like foreshadow. everything foreshadows up to that
2: yeah and you get a you get a good sense of who who benny is as a as a character as a kid he's he's willing to um put himself on the line for uh he's kind of always stuck up for smalls um which you know is not not always easy to do when you're a young kid and, and your other friends who you want to be around don't like this kid and then finally he's really going up you know man versus nature man versus beast i guess rather and uh good old-fashioned foot race yeah for my number five
1: nice you know my son he loves this movie he really does like we were like he keeps talking about the great Bambino and, <laughs> like he loves it. So yeah, he, it's, it's, it's in his head and hopefully it'll be in his head for a long time.
2: Yeah. It sticks with you. I mean, I, to this day, um, this is another one of those VHS that we just ran into the ground, played into the ground. And, uh, to this day, I honestly think that if, if it's on TV, whenever it, um, whenever you catch it, it's one of those that you're going to finish it. So. Good little good little movie.
3: Cool. Nice. I haven't seen Sandlot in quite a while. And I had forgotten about that scene. But that's, yeah, it's a good reminder to should go back and hit it up on Amazon again.
1: That's your assignment for next week. <laughs>
3: Alright. It's down on... I wrote it down, so... Because... Making me think. So my number four is a little movie with a large man called Arnold Schwarzenegger.
1: Hmm.
3: And in this movie, he's chasing some terrorists through a building. But he's not just chasing them because, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's kind of a big guy. He's not much for running. So,
0: Hmm.
3: of course, you know, he'd commandeer a police horse to do this chase, which is in true lies. Nice. Um, and this scene is always just, I don't know. True lies is one of those movies that I always find that like you can, for me, at least I can just, anytime it's on, you can just have it on. doesn't matter if you finish it or not. Um, you can pick up anytime in the middle of it and it's a good movie to watch. And this scene in particular is, uh, just, it's ridiculous. Because there's, there's not, I don't know. The movie has that comedy in it.
1: That well, it's, it? It's one of those movies that has just the right amount of. It's a great tone to it. Like it's, yeah,
3: it's it's an action movie that's so it's almost so serious that it's <laughs> becomes funny. Yes. Yeah. Because of the situations they're in, and you're like, this is ridiculous situation, but it's serious for the people, but it's so dire and ridiculous that it becomes funny. And, you know, this is, this is one of those scenes, um, where there's, you know, there's, it makes sense at the time, right? That of course you would be on a horse. Yes. And then, you know, like at the, at the end, they, you know, they Arnold talks about, tells the horse, like, like, You know, and you call yourself a police horse, like, (laughs) you know, like, and it bows its head. Right. Exactly. It's just like that little bit of comedy in there. That's I don't know. It's always just stuck with me for since I saw this movie the first time that, you know, it's just one of the great, great chase chase scenes that um, in a movie that I I love. Um,
1: Yeah, it's a good flick. Mm-hmm. It's a good flick. It's it's one. It's like one of those. I don't know. It, one of the first blockbusters uh, films, blockbuster movies, uh, from the summer that like would had that great. Just had like a something for everybody. I think you know. It had good action. It had good uh, yeah enough humor in it. You know, and you know everyone was likable. I don't think you could do it today because you know we have. Too many political things going on, you know. But I don't think it yeah. would, you know. But uh, I, th- I think it's a, it is a pretty good movie. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, like that movie, it sparked my interest in airplanes, military airplanes. I think oh,
1: I, the Harrier jet.
3: Yeah, the Harrier jet. Like that was just cool. Like you don't get cooler than that. Um, and then, you know, like I did. I, I remember doing a bunch of research about like truth serums and stuff because of the scene where Arnold's tied up and he's like yeah I'm going to use that thing to stab you Mm -hmm. and he explains it to the guy and it's just like this awesome scene Um, makes me want to go to Florida go to the Keys yeah, because they have these amazing
1: causeways you know
3: the long long shots of the bridge Mm -hmm. and the cars driving down them it's just yeah cool
2: I like it very
1: good very good. All right. My number four movie is a movie I think we all like. We've talked about it extensively on a couple different shows. Um, but from 19, I think it's, I believe it's 1980. Yeah, 1980. Uh, we get Jack Nicholson mm. and Stanley Kubrick oh, yeah. butting up. And we get a nice, well, we get a couple nice little chase scenes in the hotel. But when we go out into the maze, the chase scene between Danny and Jack Torrance, and the uh, the climax of the film, um, where we've got a wounded uh, wounded father chasing after his uh, special son, and the special son outwits the the writer father. Um, this uh, there's so many interesting things about. This movie, <clears throat> and it's hard to like sift through and find like the stuff that I mean. We, of course, we talked about Room Two Three Seven and and uh, did all that stuff, but like this chasing was like uh, like I I didn't see this whenever obviously when it came out I was four years old. I didn't see this movie till I was probably in high school, I bet. And um, but and even to this day, I mean, it, it's one of those movies that stands up and uh, uh, the the manic state he's in. You, you're like you're on the edge of your seat whenever he's he's chasing Danny through this maze. Um, I think I read it was like 900 tons of uh, salt crystals and styrofoam to to mm-hmm. make the oh the the uh, the snow and ice and everything um, in the maze
3: um, and, and irritating everyone's throats because yeah. of all of it getting in their mouths.
1: And I read something else too, which is like Kubrick was a crazy person, right? We've talked about <laughs> crazy. Like he, like he told everyone on like cast crew, everything to like not talk to or make uh Shelly Duvall comfortable, like treat her kind of like crap. So like, as she's acting in the movie, she feels like she's, she's distanced from not only, not only her husband, like, but the whole motel and everything it, it's inside it. So like, he's just, either like a mad person or a genius. And there's probably somewhere in between there mm-hmm. that it is. So, but, uh, but the, the scene, um, I mean, it's iconic and it's, I mean, it was one of the, I think the second one I thought of after we, uh, after we decided on what we were, t- we were going to talk about and I, um, yeah, the shining.
2: Nice. Yeah. It's great chasing. All right. Uh, my back to 93. Uh we have another little movie um that i may or may not like. Uh Steven Spielberg again on the list. Uh the it's more of a game of hide and seek. Uh but it is the infamous kitchen scene between the uh the young kids and the raptors in Jurassic Park. Um they get uh, chased out of the dining room into the kitchen. Um, it is it very much hide and seek. Um, there's uh, specifically the re- reflection gag. The couple like light jump scares, and uh, they eventually meet up with the parents. Or, um, sorry, they're not parents. They're parental figures. Um, they, they meet up with Dr. Grant and Dr. Uh, Ellie, and they uh, make their way to the computer for the infamous uh, hacking, (laughs) but uh, such a great tense moment um, where uh, if they were to get into a flat-out chase, these raptors would just demolish them, so they have to kind of outsmart them, maneuver, and then uh, can take their S- the small windows of opportunity where they can actually run away from these creatures that, um, otherwise should be able to just absolutely rip them to shreds and almost do so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great, I mean, well, uh, one of the things I was reading on Raiders, right on Raiders mm-hmm. lost Ark. And this has to do with Steven Spielberg. Yeah. And, um, Soderberg Steven Soderbergh did a, made a, uh, a black and white version of Rare's lost Ark with no score well he he took out the score mm-hmm. and uh, and put in like electronic an electronic score and what he was doing what he was trying to do was um show how masterfully um, uh, Spielberg s- does setups mm-hmm and I think with Jurassic Park, it's the same way, like the the way everything is is set up, and like like how people's faces are in the right frame, at the right yeah. place, right time. Like he really, it, like he takes a, I don't know how much crap he takes, but like he's, you know, people look at him as a great director, but not like when you say great directors, you think more Scorsese, you think of, you know, I, I I mean he's up there, but he's he sh- he should be up there higher because yeah. he he does rely a lot on score and uh you know just overall
2: but a movie is uh, a collaborative effort
1: it, it absolutely absolutely but he it, and he, uh but he says just uh, i guess Soderbergh's his um his reason for doing it is just to show how well he how masterfully he is with like the setups of shots and stuff and i yeah. think that's that's a good example like what you were saying with the reflections and the, mm-hmm. the light scares and stuff like that like it it i mean it, it's it's so effective
2: yeah absolutely yeah that um, i i kind of get it because he doesn't really um have a i mean he does the the adventure movie great and um he has uh iconic movies in it in pretty much every decade at this point, but he does have the War Horses, the BFGs, things that um, so I, I don't want to say f- are phoning it in, but he just, he has these, um, he has these grand epics that are just these movies that, um, stand the test of time. And then he has these other ones that, uh, kind of fall flat. Yeah. Kind of fall flat. it's almost, it's almost like your um, his legacy is cemented but he's still an active movie maker. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, you know, you're, it's like boxing with ghosts, like rappers. Like you, you, even if you're better, you'll never be better than Biggie and Tupac. And like, even if you make a great movie, you'll never make a better movie than Jaws, Jurassic Park, um, Close Encounters. You know, like he's just, he's, he's fighting with his own, with his own pedigree, it almost seems yeah. like
3: so. yeah. yeah, Well, like you say, you know, like it almost feels like he's phoning it in. But I think it—it's really he—he he knows what makes a good movie. And mm-hmm. after of uh, making all of these movies each decade that are iconic, it it almost is like the cliche scenes that mm-hmm. you expect in movies, right? And he's the one that created them. But then you see him so often that you watch them and you're like, oh, yeah, like, of course you're going to see this. And it's not necessarily because he just he knows what should go there. And it after you see it 100 times in a decade, then,
0: yeah,
3: yeah, it seems like that's it's like, oh, yeah, you're just following a following the recipe. Mm -hmm. And but it's it's more than that because he's, you know, he's writing the recipe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's his recipe and they're mad that he's following (laughs) it.
3: Yeah, it's like well, you know, after 40 years like there's, you know, it's hard to find any new ideas in movies. Mm-hmm. It's just different combinations of the same thing. And yeah. you try to try to throw your twists in a little bit differently and you try to find little unique things, but um yeah, like
2: well, I'm excited to see what this Ready Player One is oh, going to be like. I hope it's yeah. I have very high hopes. Yeah. Yeah. Good book. So we'll see.
3: All right. Well,
1: Mr. Devin.
3: So I'm going to go to 1981 and going to go to a little movie with a uh, certain 00 agent. Mm. For your eyes only, James Bond, um, that has a pretty epic. Skiing oh, chase yeah. scene. Um right at the
1: beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, yeah.
3: And it's it's kind of the you know, I I after looking at chase scenes this last week, um, you know, that's kind of how James Bond opens. They opened up I think I think found three or four different James Bond movies that open with skiing chase yeah. scenes. Yeah. Um but for your eyes only is definitely the The one that um has it all it's kind of that really dorky era of movies in the eighties where you've got people you know it's just that like slapstick type comedy almost of you can tell when they're speeding up the film to 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 make it look like it happens faster right but it's obvious and um but this scene's kind of got everything that you could possibly imagine that would interact with skiing. Um, You know, he's kind of, he's being chased by a motorcycle or a couple, couple motorcycles. He takes out one halfway through, but um, just, he's skiing down the mountain and kind of throws him for a loop originally. And then they start chasing, you know, their originally plan was to, to shoot him and um he he kind of messes with that and then they end up having to chase him so they've got two motorcycles they're chasing him down this hill and you know they they've got this like uh ski instruction class going and you know they he's he he easily goes around them but you know they kind of bump into one person and they all fall down there's like a dozen people that that you know fall down and then um they end up with him in a a bobsled shoot which is just ridiculous, and that he would be in a bobsled shoot to start with, but there's yeah. a actual, you know, a bobsled team going down it at the same time. Of course,
1: everything um, is going on at the same time.
3: Yeah, this, <laughs> it's the biggest mountain you've ever seen. Yes. you know the scene's like six minutes long, and you see you know a dozen different um, setup, perfect setups for him to interact with these different groups, um, and you know it kind of ends with. Uh, they both crash at the same place like you know after all of these different escapades um, they have going down the mountain it's like you know uh, a log or something you know it's like one log is what causes them to both crash <laughs> um, but it's just kind of it's a, it's a great scene to go back and watch um, I hadn't seen the movie in quite a while uh, but it was one that stuck out that it was like, oh, what is that scene? You know what's out there, and um so I, I did a little research and found it and watched it a few times. And it's like, yeah, this is perfect. Um, yeah. So I'd recommend uh, even if you don't watch the whole movie, going and watching just that scene will be a good laugh.
1: Yeah, I think I think all these all these movies you can probably I mean do you find them on YouTube? Just you know whatever chase scene. Oh yeah. Blanket blank, blank chase scene. Nah. Yeah. That's a good one. I I there's another one uh in James Bond with it where they're skiing and they end up on a cello or no, they're not skiing, but they it was a, it was the it was the uh, Timothy Dalton James Bond where he's trying to save the, the lady they there's they're skiing down or they are I don't know. They end up on a in a cello case, you know, I don't know. It's it was pretty ridiculous but <laughs> so that doesn't sound uh, right no all right my number three is the one that came to mind right as soon as we thought of this uh and it was something i talked about recently um uh, from 1995 uh we got detective mills and Detective somerset they finally found where john oh, yeah where John Doe lives and under, uh, they don't have a search warrant, but, or no, they do. They, no, I'm sorry. They're at the door. They're getting ready to knock. And all of a sudden they see John Doe down the hallway and they go for a run and they, uh, Somerset goes one way. Mills goes, chases after him the other way. They go through other people's apartments. They go into alleys. They go through kitchens. They go through all these places. And, um, it is a pretty good, it's a, it's, Fincher doing some good action, um, in this one, because it's, it's, uh, it's, it keeps it, as, as the characters are running, you're disoriented, disoriented. You don't know where anybody is. And that's how the, the characters I think are meant to feel like you're wondering what's around the next corner where, you know, where are, where am I in this building? You know, where's my partner at? Um, you know, you get little glimpses of the other people as they're running and, uh, you know, people are in danger and they're trying to catch this guy, but save the people who are, are could be in danger, uh, innocently and, uh, a, a good culmination of, uh, of the chase, um, that sets up for the rest of the movie. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a really good chasing. It's been on top of my head because of, uh, recent, uh, discussions about the movie and, uh, I really enjoyed it.
2: Nice.
3: Yeah, Seven's one of my favorite all-time movies. Yeah, it's a. Probably in the top five or ten.
2: Yeah, it is a great one.
3: And I think that they just do a really good job. That the whole time, like what you say with how they film it, of you're disoriented as the viewer. It's Mm -hmm. the whole movie's like that. They just like you're drawn into, you know, like your emotions are pulled very strongly the direction that uh david fincher wanted them to be
1: (laughs) yeah you feel like
3: you're just you're kind of along for the ride and you don't really have a choice of how you feel or are viewing the movie
1: yeah it's it's manipulation at its best i think yeah
3: yeah
2: nice nice all right um so uh to leave 1993 for at least the, for the rest of my <laughs> list, um, <laughs> my number three is uh, John Com- John Carpenter's Halloween, and uh, so uh, when the climax of the movie starts, um, we find Jamie Lee Curtis in uh, in uh, Laurie, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Sorry, I was drawing a blank on that. That's what what the stalling was. Um, we've, Lori stumbles on Mike, My, Michael Myers' um, House of Horrors where he was uh, slashing up her friends and um, exhuming the uh, gravestone of Judith Myers and uh, basically Lori is, happens to come across all of uh, her friends' bodies and then uh, Michael shows up, and he is, uh, as we all know, as what later becomes a cliche, he's just a slow, lumbering, um, omnipresent force, and uh, <laughs> Lori runs very quickly across the street, um, and this is... Uh, the soundtrack is... Uh, the score is really what... Um, gives this scene its uh, frantic pace. And um, even the, uh, I guess it's more by today's standards, but w- when I was watching this, even the um, shots now, you know, ev- anything, anytime you want to make something seem frantic, uh, you do the the handheld cam shots. This is, you know, steadily set up shots and everything. Uh, it It really is a great example of score, setting the pace for the movie and um it's it uh you know it cements michael as the ultimate evil she finally gets back into the house and is hiding out in the closet and um michael is in pursuit the entire time he's kind of in in a lot of ways an invisible threat you just see his shape and then he's gone and um yeah, that's that's my number three chase scene.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's well I haven't seen it. How when's the last time you saw
2: this? Me? Yeah. Uh a few months ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I uh, it's it feels like it still holds up pretty good.
2: I yeah, I really think that this um is uh i i mean obviously it's an old movie, but the um the themes aren't dated and the uh it's well executed so i, I think those are two um, two of the keys to a movie standing the test of time is it it's um uh, it's uh it it might look old because it was shot in the at the end of the seventies, but uh it's still it still resonates with you because it's one, it's well made and two, it's um you know, any period in time it's relatable, you know, the the teenage babysitter, the feelings of helplessness, the um that kind of looming danger of like the the Halloween nights where You know everyone's running amok and everything seems like harmless fun and then you know by the time you realize there is some something harmful out there it it almost feels too late so
1: yeah yep and it set it set the stage for all the rest of them right
2: yeah yes it did um which might might seem like a knock against it but that's a discussion for another episode (laughs) yeah yeah
3: Cool.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. Let's have at it.
3: All right. My number two movie is from 2001. And it is another horse chase scene. And it is from Lord of the Rings. Um, The scene is called Flight to the Ford, which is when Frodo gets stabbed by the ringwraith and then is carried by Arwen to Rivendell. Okay. And, uh, it's pretty basic scene. As far as chase scenes go, it's people on horses, chasing (laughs) someone else on a horse.
2: Uh, I'm sorry. That was IMDb (laughs) messing (laughs) with me. Sorry about that guys.
3: (laughs) No problem. Um, but it's just the way that it's shot, and just uh it's just one of the most beautifully shot scenes. Um, I think they filmed it with helicopters and some pickups and people on horses right um, and just kind of knowing I've got some friends that went to New Zealand um last year, and they they actually got to ride a couple of the horses that were used in the filming of Lord of the Rings and met the people that own the stable that had a bunch of the horses. And um, so knowing some of the backstory of how that, that scene was filmed um, and just, you know, it's, I, I feel like in the last five years, any scene that's going to have people riding horses, it's going to be the CG horse chase. If the horse is going to be in an all out gallop and, you know, this scene, they're real people on, real horses running at full breakneck speed through a forest. And it's, it's just, you can, you really get that sense of urgency and realism and danger just because, you know, there were people that were hurt on the making of the, this movie because they were doing these stunts with real horses. And, right. Um, and, and, this scene's always kind of stood out to me as being just, yeah, it really, you know, just, it draws you in. It's well, this beautiful shot. And then it's got kind of a hokey CG end to the scene, but, um, it doesn't take away from, from the danger that the, the ring wraiths bring to it.
1: Well, that's, that's a good point. Cause it kind of, it actually like up to that point, you don't know what, the kind of danger it is, like it, it really sets the scene on what what the stakes are for the the group, right, and what they're up against. You know what I mean? Like it, at at first, you're like, oh, okay, they got to get this thing to there and all that stuff. But then, then yeah. you see what they're kind of up against, and it kind of sets the scene for <clears throat> what the next, you know, the rest of this movie and the next like 17 hours of the other two movies, yeah, are gonna <laughs> be about. You know, so it it, but it, it's a good and you know, of course. Like any good uh, action or um, or t- uh, tale of uh, what do you call it, uh, you know, uh, 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 the hero's journey. Like things escalate, you know, and like the ring wraiths get they get dinosaurs or
3: dragons, and you know what I mean. Right. It, it, well, it, even it, that scene at the beginning of it, they're like, yeah, there were five ring wraiths. Um, we're not sure where the other other ones are, and it's like it cuts immediately to, to Arwen you know, galloping through and there's seven behind right. her. And yep. it's, yeah, it's that escalating of, of that builds kind of through the next two movies. And yeah. Cool.
1: All righty. Well, I'm going back to James Bond. And I don't, I'm not going to apologize for it because in 2006, I got a new yep. lease on life with James Bond. This is my number two as well.
3: Awesome. Oh, that was my number one. <laughs> awesome.
1: Sorry, guys. Uh, then we can all get in on it. Um, yes. But uh, we get we go from you know corny hokey uh, Timothy or not Timothy Dalton but Pierce Brosnan and the ice waves and skiing on whatever he was doing in the last one mm-hmm. um, <laughs> to to the gritty real uh, you know the new lease on bond and and like it actually it did breathe new life and to me for this franchise and it got me back into it um Mm -hmm. because this it's not the cold open but it it might as well be um the chase between him and the uh the arms dealer uh through the streets and well not i guess kind of streets of madagascar um and just i mean you like, is this like? It's not the first time we see parkour, but it's the probably the biggest stage for parkour on
2: yeah.
1: on uh, the big screen, right?
2: Yeah, I feel like it's the first like mainstream, um, you know, a well-established franchise, uh, not some YouTube video, I guess.
3: Right. I, like, there, the, well,
1: there's uh, that. What's that? District Thirteen or something like that? I saw some uh, clips
3: on. Yeah. District B thirteen.
1: Right. Or, yeah. Um which I've I've heard of before, but I've never seen a movie. I, I yeah, saw like some a clips of French, it. French
3: French movie, I think.
1: Yeah. 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 French like arms or something. I don't know. Whatever. Um but this we're talking about Casino Royale and the uh yeah, the introduction of uh Daniel Craig and his and what he's capable of. He's not the um you know, he's <laughs> He's doing some stuff that what you what you think you know it's probably a uh you know uh the born the born series kind of raised the bar for spy thriller, so yeah. they had to step it up, and they did pretty well and um this opening scene is is pretty tight I mean mm. it's got some sweet sweet action
2: <laughs> yeah
3: yeah, well, and you made a good point about Pierce Brosnan it kind of goes to it's not all just he was just kind of suave and yeah the trickery um you know he had like all the the fancy bond tools but daniel craig you know he's he's not great at parkour but he's gonna certainly try you yeah can tell, well, like he's he's tr- he's trying and he's keeping up but
0: well he's like he goes,
3: really hard for it
1: <laughs> the one guy goes through like a window like really high and he just busts through his Bust through the drywall, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think even M says it at one point, either in this movie or the next movie you're a blunt instrument, you know, Mm -hmm. a a force to be reckoned with, but a blunt instrument. He's, he's, uh, he's, there's not a lot of finesse and suaveness to him.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it definitely is a new era of, uh, it really ushers in that new era. Um, I think Die Another Day came out in 2002, but this is um, the I, I, the movie landscape didn't really immediately change. And obviously, this is a, a British movie, but the movie landscape didn't really change immediately after 9/11. Um, but this is shortly after Batman Begins. This is uh, after the the first couple Born movies, um, and it just. Uh, definitely is a different type of blockbuster, um, and it is kind of one of the um, torch carriers for for kind of a new era of action movies that we get.
3: Yeah, and I, I always think of like you said the the Born Identity that it's more similar in the type of action that they have, but those were both 2002. Mm-hmm. That Die Another Day with Pierce Brosnan and, and Born Identity were the same year. Yeah and you really don't
2: yeah it definitely they're...
3: seems like you know that is very typical type of action you see in casino royale but born identity didn't really kick it off it was it was this james bond movie cuz i think it's probably got a bigger audience um and just more name recognition
2: oh yeah, yeah. it's a huge global franchise for sure
3: yeah
1: yeah it's um it in in the scene you know we're talking about it i mean it's pretty it's i mean there's no there's no like stagnant parts of it i no. mean it's just like continuous just like fluid uh and raising the heights or raising the level of uh, you know the difficulty and like yeah oh my god they're gonna do that
2: yeah they they continue to up the stakes, and you know what it's um it's really well lit. Yes. For, like, um, you know, they're not uh, hiding behind shadows. They're not using, um, I mean, I'm sure stunt doubles were used, but they're not really, um, like, these actions are really being carried out, whether they're by Daniel Craig or his stunt double, um, you know, probably a stunt double, but it it just, um, you really get a... Sense of being there. that's the like it's really like washed out. Like it's it just you seems like you could almost start sweating from the heat on the screen. It just <laughs> it really is just a, an incredibly well executed um, action sequence and an incredible chase scene. Yeah, okay. Well, I'd was, I
3: was, oh, say they do a lot of you know there are a lot of fast cuts in it, mm-hmm. but like you said, there are these these shots where they really show you what is at stake. Yeah. Um. And I think, you know, they probably have stunt doubles, but it's, they just do, they just show you the, the whole scene, but they just show it from farther away. Mm-hmm. But then they let you see him jump from one crane to another crane and then mm-hmm. jump onto a building. And it, I, I watched a bunch of clips from the Bourne movies. Mm-hmm. um, And, those just were like the super fast cuts and you don't really get a sense of where anyone is in relation to each other but this casino royale scene you really do you you get kind of where where they're at and um yeah i don't know yeah yeah
1: absolutely i watched a i watched a um like a mini like you know making of or whatever it's like 20 minutes long or 14 minutes long or something like that and uh the guy they use it, his name is sebastian uh falcon and he did all like the guy he was chasing mm. and like he did obviously he did all his own stunts and stuff and he uh they trained for like months and months to get this just one scene and like the kind of stuff They and they were tra- they filmed on a different like at they did a lot of filming at some of the filming at the pinewood studios in England and then some of the stuff in the Bahamas um and it the the amount of time and effort like the crew and stuff like they like on the steel girders that they're running around and stuff like um mm. uh, yeah it's just it was it was fascinating because one of the big things they wanted to do is get away from CGI they wanted to do all practical stuff and uh because just based on well I, I, you guys you, uh Devin you said it like you know with whatever die another day and then uh the born stuff coming out the same year they were like oh this is what people want now yeah and uh yeah. and they wanted the practical effects and they that they made a concerted effort to do that kind of stuff and it was it was a cool cool little uh whatever uh, you know you can find it on youtube nice. uh so yep
2: um i did not know that uh martin campbell the director also directed goldeneye no. Oh, well, that actually kinda of makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, he did the the best Bond movie of each era. Yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> oh. I don't know about that. You don't think Goldeneye's the best Pierce Brosnan? Oh, for sure. I, I think it for is. sure. Yeah. You don't think yeah. Casino Royale's the best uh, Daniel Craig? Nope, Skyfall. Mm. Uh, I like Skyfall. Uh, Skyfall is
1: I know Skyfall it's double, was yeah. fantasy. Double home alone.
2: Yes, yeah, but, <laughs> but Skyfall seemed more uh, fantastical. Where, and I get it—you got to raise the stakes. Like this is, um, and look, a lot of people agree with you guys. But like this is uh, a really high bar to start out the oh for um, sure the Daniel Craig era, and uh, so I mean it would make sense that if you need to keep raising the bar and keep raising the stakes, that you would get something fantastic like you would fall flat on your face with something like quantum of solace even though a yeah. lot of that probably um the writer strike probably played pretty heavily into that too yeah um it would make sense that, that you um and then to heighten it over casino royale you have to get fantastical and get shot with a sniper rifle and end up drinking in the keys or something whatever it was <laughs> i don't know
1: yeah yeah hey
2: i your uh, your arguments are noted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. uh, hey, Paul had its uh, uh, it's, it's not downsides.
1: your fault. You're overruled.
2: Yeah. <laughs> hey, look. It's democracy. You guys win. Yes. <laughs> you guys win, but I'm taken to Twitter. No, man. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh. Just joshing. Uh, well...
3: Uh, So that was your number two and my number one. So we're back to Brad. We're back to you, (laughs) Brad. There you
1: go. Uh, Okay, so, um, and I I almost, I I was trying to, I was between number two and number one, they could have gone either way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I fell in love with this movie so much last year. And I was just so impressed by the, just the sheer balls and the just, the jive, just the way they, pulled it off i couldn't believe it but hardcore henry from 2016 mm-hmm. the the it starts out with him at the top of a building and he grabs a, a line and goes down about 10 stories into this dumpster and starts a chase and it's all on uh gopros on the head chasing throughout the streets of moscow um going over bridges going down escalators some chicks gets just knocked out and it's in it, it it wasn't supposed to be in the movie. She actually wasn't on her mark, but it, it worked out perfectly <laughs> yeah, because well. like in that situation, like random people are going to get hurt. And, uh, this chase scene in hardcore Henry, um, there's so many good chase scenes, like the, uh, the motorcycle scene and all that. Um, uh, it, it, oh, there's actually, well, there's the, there's a, uh, or no, us yeah, uh, sorry. Um, But, yeah, it's this scene running through the streets of Moscow that was the best. Um, And it culminates with a nice – I say culminate tonight a lot. Um, It ends with a nice uh, uh, sniper shot to the head, which is pretty sweet, too.
2: (laughs) That always always, uh, elevates the scene.
1: I mean, this movie kept you – like, it kept you on your feet the whole time. I love this movie so much. Yeah, so much. I like just, just daring filmmaking. I love yeah, it.
2: Yeah, it is, and and it really, it's not only it's not only daring because I you know a lot of people could make this movie, but it takes a lot to make it well, and I think it takes not only a skilled hand but a but a caring hand too. Uh, yeah. So this is
1: a know, loving hand.
2: Yeah, exactly. This is this the result of someone who really believed in what they were doing, and had a really solid foundation. Um, as far as how they wanted to tell their story etc um yeah i still i'm really glad i saw it in the theaters but that's still the only time i've seen it i don't have a great home setup and uh i don't know how well it would translate but you know at the same time for for the points we just made maybe it's fine uh
1: yeah and if you want if you haven't seen this movie and you can't find it on um like you can't find it Streaming or any, or that anything, uh, if you want an idea, go and look up. I think it's the Biting Elbows. Yeah, the Biting Elbows uh, videos on YouTube. And the guy that directed this, Ilya something or other, um, directed a couple videos of uh, it, ones, the Stampede. And the other is bad, uh, bad m f uh, bad mf'er.
2: <laughs> yeah, I remember you sending me those. Uh, you sending those my way. So
1: it's it's good not safe. quite the, um, it's not the the quality of 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 the movie, but uh, you'll get a, a good feel for it. There's some good chase scenes on there. There's uh, the biting elbows. It's on YouTube.
3: So yep. Nice. I Think I rented Hardcore Henry on Redbox, um, and I wish I would have taken Dramamine before. Oh it, yeah, I started because um, I did have to stop it about halfway through and take a nap and drink some water and recuperate. But then when I watched the last, the end of it, it was yeah, I really enjoyed it.
2: It is sensory overload. It's it's yeah. a lot coming at you.
1: oh uh, yeah, it's like
2: yeah, it's like.
1: Uh, going Coke off the back of the guy in front of you as you're jumping out of an airplane without a parachute on it's yeah, it's,
2: it's hardcore as a, yeah, some might say, some might say definitely nice. I like it a lot. All right. Uh, my number one is, uh, just a, a, uh, a classic me pick, I guess. I don't get to talk about this movie a lot on, uh, on this show, and I don't really—I think I don't really talk about it much—but I, uh, I can't stress how much I love the uh, John Hughes helmed, written and directed, uh, yeah, nineteen eighty-six Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And uh, Ferris, after complete, after uh, there, there's one thing that stands in the way of him getting away with the perfect day off. And, uh, or getting busted. And that is his parents getting home. Uh, so he is in an all-out foot race through the neighborhood, through barbecues, pools, even manages to hit on some ladies, uh, even is running alongside his dad's car for a little bit. Uh, and still somehow gets away with that because he is effortlessly cool. Um. <laughs> And all the while, uh, Ed Rooney has snuck into his house and uh, his sister Jeannie, who um, spent the entire movie um, just kind of grinding her teeth with frustration that, uh, that Ferris is getting away with this, uh, ends up letting him off the hook when she uh, uh, finds Mr. Rooney's <laughs> wallet in the kitchen. Um, and, and despite all the, the crap that she had to deal with all day, the, the people raising funds for her brother, the stripper grams, and um, <laughs> not, <laughs> the 911 uh, dispatcher <laughs> asking if her brother's okay while Mr. Rooney's breaking into the house, um, it, she still looks out for her brother and, and helps him get away with, uh, with the, the perfect The perfect dayoff. crime. Yeah, the perfect crime. It really is a perfect crime. There's no, there's no victims. Uh, only, only victory.
1: Nine times.
2: I don't remember Ferris being sick nine times. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: and that song is. Yeah, that.
2: It's so I think it's bum, called bum, bum, the March of the Swizzleheads. Um.
1: Yeah, there you go. I, how how mad are you at the stupid heads. Domino's commercials on recently? You, have you seen? Have you guys seen them?
2: No, like, I haven't. It's supposed no. to be.
1: It's supposed to be like a a Ferris knockoff, and no. he's doing all the same things. That yeah, it's they're frustrating.
2: Mm, I am not a fan of that. There we go. Yeah the the English beat March of the Swivel Heads. <laughs> yeah um, Also in, in regards to the soundtrack, uh, there's a lot of great um, music musical moments and uh, songs used in this, but John Hughes actually decided to uh, he opted to not put a soundtrack out for commercial release because he thought that the um, uh, all the different genres, that he used mixing together just it wouldn't make sense and there wouldn't really be a market for it right and uh i don't know i i think he messed up and i think quentin tarantino does that uh does that a lot and uh i think they're great soundtracks so there you go anyways that's been my list it's been all our lists actually
1: yeah <laughs> Uh yeah. Well, I uh, enjoyed having you on, Devin.
2: That was nice. Yeah, thank you for joining us.
1: We'll try thank to make you it for having me. more than an annual thing. Yeah. But uh yeah, it it was a pleasure. It was. But uh yeah. keep this in mind. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop take a look around once in a while, you could miss it.
2: This is a
4: 1, 2, 1, 2, yeah, no to-do, huh? One two, one two, 2, 1, 2, yeah, no to-do, huh? One two, one two, 2, 1, 2, yeah, no to-do, huh? You come for me, I'm bucking right back at you. The warning. Okay, ain't nobody sicker, the High Life swigger. Ralph rocker, fuck, hill figure. Who I be, motherfucker, call me Juggernaut. I crush competition, promise I do not stop. When I get on the microphone, I'm no to break bones. I be the original and all these bitches clones. You had no idea who the hell you were fucking with. The AMC is never ever caught up on some sucker shit. Plus I'm from the goat, and to me that means a lot. So when you start taking shots, I hit you with everything I got. You'll be praying for this nonsense not to continue, but you're the one who wrote me into something I didn't want to get into. It said the loudest man in the room is the most insecure. I heard your little song, and now we all know for sure. I thought you were only ar- for the sake of argument, but wait, I'm provoked. There you go, start shit. Why didn't Jimmy stop you, For you gambled like Proctor, Now you're feeling like a bad habit, so I gots to drop you, I know you must be gay, cause dissing us is fucking nuts. You say you're stuck in your way, so what is there to discuss? You're a theological drone in a political war zone. Your opinions ain't your own, so you should leave that shit at home. You preach it all, then go and choose what to practice. Maybe that's why Christianity is so backwards. You're the quickest to throw rocks, then play the victim. If someone has a different viewpoint, then you Dismiss him. The first to hurl insults and fast to call us names I'm not hurt just next time you mention maps, Don't be so damn lame Go ahead and try but I'm a tough one to fuck with Like hitting a penny a hundred yards out with a musket And let me clarify something You started this one So I'll make sure that you're the loser But you cannot play the victim And I respect the rivalry but will not go quietly Waving the white flag is the only hope you have to silence me So you toss the gauntlet and I whip that shit back My advice is thinking through before you make another track The warning One time a man fresh, you know what it is? One time for my dog cake quiz. Jay Burden Scotty boy, you know the biz. One time for my guys man the board. I love y'all, but you got to watch your boy. One time a man fresh, you know what it is? One time for my dog cake quiz. Jay Burden it, boy, you know the biz. One time for my guys man the board. I love y'all, but you got to watch your boy. The warning.
0: I feel how I feel, and that's that. That's antiquated thinking, pal.